We live at a time in which our society um, rejects intolerance of anything that's uh, politically uh, correct. Those things that are not tolerate, tolerated are, uh, are tagged as, as evil. Uh, Dr. Paul Holritz, whom you met uh, this past summer, I returned this week. I'm associated with the mission. I returned this week from teaching at the grad school in Jordan. He reports that ISIS recently crossed the border into Jordan, where they were promptly met by the Jordanian military, which ground the uh, invaders uh, into fine powder. There are times when tolerance is evil, when intolerance and discrimination are necessary virtues for the health and the continuation of a civilization. Now that's the sermon before the sermon. I heard about a pastor who was uh, getting ready to retire. A kind lady in the church said, Oh, pastor, what in the world are we going to do without you? Ah, sister, he said, the Lord is going to give you a better one after me. And she began to wail. Well, why are you crying, she asked. Well, pastor, that's what they said before you came. Transitions are times of soul-searching, a time to ask, uh, where have I been? Where am I now? What direction should I go in the future? And how should I respond as a person of faith in God in this transition, whether it be voluntary or involuntary? These questions leap from the pages of the book of Joshua. Will you turn with me, please, uh, to Joshua chapter 1? Judges, Joshua chapter 1. When you're in transition, I recommend an exercise. Uh, I referenced this past Lord's Day that is ministering to me, and that is that you keep a journal. I don't journal every day, probably three or four uh, days uh, a week, I would say, in conjunction with my devotional time. A journal is not a diary. A journal goes beyond people and events. You know, I went to Charleston today. I went to a ball game today. I, I did this or that. A journal is a private record of thoughts, perspectives, feelings, hopes, fears during transition. There's something clarifying. There's something therapeutic about letting your thoughts and your emotions pass from your mind to your fingers, 
into a pen or a keyboard. There's just something about it. A journal is a tool for personal worship. I find that I am writing and suddenly I am praying. It's for your eyes only. My wife has never read my journal. I commend it uh, to you as this, uh, as it's ministering to me, okay? Joshua chapter 6, chapter 1, beginning verses 1 through 7. Let's stand for the reading of the word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to give, uh, I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Thank you. You may be seated. In this passage, you find principles that help us rise to the challenge of change. There is uh, the change of leaders in verse 2, a change of location, a change of roles from wanderers to worshipers. Transition is the journey. Change is the destination. I need to let you know that I view this message as more a heart-to-heart conversation than a sermon. And let's include in the conversation Dr. Jim and Kathy Fritz, the GBCS search team, and the process we are now engaged in. God has answered prayer in the calling of a pastor. And now it is time to focus our praying upon the important task of an administrator for GBCS. Three principles from this passage. The first is no leader is indispensable. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan. Moses was the only leader many of the Israelites had known. Have you thought about that? 
for all of his faults and shortcomings uh, chronicled in the pages of Scripture, Moses was a presence, a leader for more than a generation. God sovereignly raises up leaders of churches and organizations and institutions and businesses to share, to uh, serve for a brief time. But it's never permanent, is it? When President John F. Kennedy was asked how he became a war hero, and this catapulted him onto the national scene, he said simply, it was easy, they sank my boat. Let me share some quotations that I hope will put this principle into perspective. Winston Churchill The world does not end with the life of any man. John Wesley, God buries the workman but continues his work. A contemporary church leader said this, I like it. The history of a church is like a book. There are certain defining moments when one chapter in a church's life closes and another opens. Leaders, this is H.G. Wells, leaders should lead as far as they can and then vanish. Their ashes should not choke the fire they have lit. Back in August, I shared with you a ministry adage that says, old men stay too long and young men leave too soon. We're planning a great service next Sunday. Celebration of Mother's Day, a baptism, the Lord's Supper. I will be speaking for about about 20 minutes. It seems an appropriate time for Mary and I to thank you for the privilege to serve our God among you. We appreciate deeply each of you who have served alongside and continue to serve those who have encouraged us and our family with your unconditional love, grace, and support. You are Paragoria. We thank you and we thank God for you. We thank you for the gift of your trust and your your fellowship and fellowship for three, three decades. When our family arrived in the month of July, we learned that a couple of our families were expecting babies. In a few weeks, one of the moms went into labor and dad and family members and I sat in a Raleigh General waiting room all night. That was before birthing suites. We began to think mom had changed her mind. In a couple of weekends, it will be my joy to have a part in that baby girl's wedding. My last wedding as a pastor. Is that cool or what? Is that great? (laughs) In our reading last spring, the deacons and I came up on illustrations of two iconic churches with very famous pastors who in coming to their retirement years could not let go. 
One of those pastors was this man. Do you recognize his picture? Who is this? Who is it? Robert Schuller. The founder and longtime pastor of the famed Crystal Cathedral, Garden Grove, California. Dr. Schuller passed the baton to his son, but couldn't step away. And before his death, Schuller sued the church, which eventually closed, and the property was sold. Every church and institution is bigger than any leader because it's God's church. It's God's institution. (laughs) We're all dispensable. (laughs) Second principle. Leadership change should be embraced with four things. Patience, love, grace, and faith. Chapter 4, verse 1 is a crucial verse in the Joshua story. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan. Catch this. They followed the new leader. They embraced change. They embraced the new vision going forward. When church leaders... uh, talk about a successor, when they talk about a young man following a long-term pastor, they often use the term sacrificial lamb. It is not uncommon for a young successor to stay two or three years. It happens in churches large and small, regardless of location or denominational bent. Why does it happen? It happens because people are inflexible. When they focus on the past rather than the future. When people resist change and new ideas, the successor finds himself increasingly isolated and eventually in a couple of short years, very often, He simply moves on. Often he moves on because he becomes the object of graceless scrutiny and criticism. Every church has a few people who seem to find some kind of satisfaction in finding fault with the pastor and the staff. Consequently, instead of practicing the simple principles we learned as new converts, the principles of Matthew 18 and the principle to love one another, they poison the minds of those who listen to them. Be on guard, my friends. The next pastor... That is, the pastor after the successor finds the church more readily uh, to change, more ready to change. And they have been through a hurricane in the sacrifice of the successor. And now that they've been through that, they're much more open. They're somewhat separated from the past. 
And the next pastor may stay a number of years. When a new pastor becomes a sacrificial lamb, my friends, everybody suffers. His family, your families, the church families, and there are some young men. There are some young men who leave the ministry after being bruised and beaten up after the long ministry of a pastor. And the kingdom of God suffers. And churches in low population areas often never recover. A church leader said this, A work originated by God and conducted on spiritual principles will surmount the shock of a leadership change and indeed will probably thrive better as a result. Let's pray to that end. Let's serve to that end. And let's love to that end. This is his church. It's always been. One more principle. All leaders, young and old, make mistakes. And therefore, not only should change be met with love and grace, but a leader, a pastor, should be embraced with love, patience, and grace. Did Moses make mistakes? Isn't it sad the, the, the way in which the life of Moses ended? A misstep ultimately barred him from leading Israel into the promised land. One of the most heart-rending events in the Bible. Did Joshua make mistakes? Do we have any recorded mistakes of Joshua? In chapter 7, he and the leaders failed to discern sin in the camp. 36 men died at Ai. In chapter 9, a failure to pray resulted in self-confidence that precipitated a division between the leaders and the people. Someone said a mistake is evidence that somebody tried to do something. Pastor Chris, we'll adjust to that very quickly. Pastor Chris will make mistakes. Now, some of the mistakes will be humorous. Some will not be humorous. I ran this part of the message by Mary. I wanted to talk about some of the mistakes I've made, and she just told me, you need to scratch that, (laughs) okay? I mean, I have made some doozies. That's a Greek word, doozy. Um, Some of it will be uh, inconsequential. But there may be some that will have consequences. And I don't know what they are. I wish I could list them. I I don't know. My exhortation to you 
is give the pastor room to grow. The search team asked the staff and I to take Pastor Chris to lunch recently. I'd tell you the truth, if I'd have passed him at Walmart, I wouldn't have known him. He graduated from our school, what, 15, 16 years ago, walked across the platform at the gym. And, but I didn't remember Chris okay, until I saw him. We had a, a great time. We had a great time. At lunch, at one point, uh, I think one of the guys slipped away to the restroom, and um, I don't know, one or the other maybe going for a drink or whatever. And I took the opportunity just to look at Chris, heart to heart and eye to eye, and I said something to him that the search team is very aware of. Is something that I'm very convictional about. I said, Chris, I want you to know that if God calls you to faith, my predecessor gave me the gift of his absence, and I will give you the gift of my absence. And the reason is, is simply, it's not about me. It is not about us. It is about the continuation of the work of God. And I do sense, I do believe that Chris is a young man wise beyond his years. And I pray that he will stay 30 years. And I will come for his retirement party. <laughs> Let me just say as personally as I can as if I were talking to you one-on-one in the foyer. Extend to this young pastor unconditional love and support. The same love and support you gave me and my family. And love is family. You say, well, of course, this is a small church. Find out when their anniversary is. Find out the birthdays of their children. Show little ways, little ways um, to express your love and to make them feel loved. It means more than a pastor than you will ever, ever Imagine. Uh, Mary and I went to uh, an olive garden yesterday on a fluke, and uh, we had a, a gift card from Pastor Appreciation last October. Had that rascal, had it in my hand. And as we bowed to pray, I just thank God for the generous person, whoever it is, who made this very special meal uh, possible. So show this family love. Welcome them into your hearts. Welcome into your family. And show them love by the way you're loving one another. Okay? Got it? I told you it would be a conversation. Let's review the principles. No leader is indispensable. 
Change should be embraced with patience, love, grace, and faith. And since pastors, young and old, and in every age in between, are human, a pastor should embrace, be embraced with patience, love, and grace. Transitions should be times of preparation for a new era and a renewal of vision. A vision for the lost who need Christ. A vision for ministry beginning here and literally going throughout the world. Let's stand together. Don't know how to end, so I guess we'll sing. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace. There are numbers of families and individuals in our church and those sitting here today who are going through transition. And we pray for great grace and peace and faith and patience. Father, we're so confident that you have brought us to such a time as this as a church family. And we are so confident in your leadership. And we go forward in faith and we go forward in joy and we're thankful for all that uh, you have for this church family. And we, we thank you in Jesus' name.